Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of Grace Point Church in Atlantic, Iowa. My name is Don McLean. I'm the senior pastor here at Grace Point. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at gracepointatlantic.com. And in the meantime, grab your Bible and check out this week's sermon. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to blame or put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Well, Happy New Year. It's always fun to be able to say it on the actual day instead of a few days later or a few days before. Uh, it is good to be together on, uh, on this first day of 2023. Uh, we don't know what it'll hold, but it's another year to praise him and serve him. So we will, we will be grateful for it for sure. Uh, speaking of gratitude, I, I did want to thank you for the, the Christmas gift. Thank you so much for participating in that. And um, never something we expect, but um, are grateful for it when you do it. So thank you so much for doing that. And I'm sure Andrew and Heidi feel the same. They probably are watching, even though he's, he's using vacation time. They're probably watching us. So <laughs> hi, you guys. Good to see you. Uh, we are going to start the new year in Psalm 119, as you just heard. So if you didn't turn there, go ahead. And uh, let's, uh, I'm going to look at those first 16 verses together and give us some, some ideas about how to, how to spend the part of the new year anyway. So uh, let's pray, and then we'll get right into it. <clears throat> Gracious Father, thank you so much for, uh, for this new year. Thank you for the... I appreciate what Lee said. You, you have us here for a purpose. You uh, roused us up this morning and this year uh, to, to serve you, to praise you, to, to live out your purposes in our days, whether we're old or young and all the, all the things in between, uh, we, we are here for you, and we thank you for your gracious kindness to us. Lord, as we look in this psalm together, we pray that you would uh, equip us, equip us to tackle this new year uh, in a way that is centered on Jesus. I pray that the, wor the words of my mouth, the meditations of each and every one of our hearts would be pleasing to you. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, there's an old saying that we are what we eat. And uh, usually whoever's saying that to us is talking about food. Uh, if we want to have a healthy body, they'll tell us we need to eat healthy foods. Uh, that's what they say anyway. Uh, thankfully, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not here this morning to get on your case about all those Christmas cookies you ate in the last two weeks. Uh, instead, I want to talk about how that principle actually applies spiritually. We are what we eat spiritually. It's just as true for our spiritual lives. Uh, there's a cool verse, kind of little, maybe even a little strange, in uh, Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. And uh, it's in the middle of a prophecy. Jeremiah is narrating. He's talking, and he's talking to God. And he says, when your words came, I ate them. 
Uh, they were my joy and my heart's delight. Uh, about a hundred years ago, there was a, a, a king, an emperor in uh, Ethiopia, Emperor Menelik, uh, King Menelik II. And uh, he was actually a believer, King Menelik. He was, a, he was a, a believer. He's an Orthodox Christian. And he actually took those words to heart. I don't know where he got this idea, but they say that whenever he would get sick, he would actually open up a Bible and he would tear out a page and he would eat it. He, he was really impressed by that passage in Jeremiah. There's a couple of others that say similar. And so whenever he would get sick, he would eat. Uh, he would eat a page or two or three from the Bible. They say that when he finally died, he lived to an old age, when he finally died of the final illness that took him, uh, he had worked his way through all of Second Kings uh, with, uh, with that last illness that he had. And, and we laugh, and it's funny, but, but he's actually on to something, because the Word of God does heal us. Maybe not in the way that he was thinking, but it does heal us on the inside where we need it the most. And, and that's where I'd, I'd like to talk about this morning. Uh, today is, uh, you know, January 1st. Uh, and well, for most people, uh, it means they're thinking about resolutions. Apparently not us, according to Lee's little <laughs> survey. But you know, people think about resolutions. A lot of us, though, do respond more like kind of what the vibe was. You know, yeah, resolutions, they, they don't really... Uh, make much of a difference. I'm just going to try to live my life each day the same way. Wherever you are on that, I want to talk about uh, the Bible and, and where the Bible figures in on that. Because what it comes down to with the scripture is if we want to grow spiritually, we need to read it. We need to read it. That's what I want to talk about. Good basic New Year's Day kind of a message. This is one of those one of sermons. It's not part of a series. We'll start a new series in a couple of weeks. Uh, but today, I just want to talk about the importance of reading the Bible. If we want to grow spiritually, we need to read. Psalm 119 is one of the great meditations on, on the value of Scripture and on, on God's Word. Uh, the whole thing is a, a carefully crafted reflection on the glories and the wonders of God's Word. It's 176 verses long. Uh, if you didn't know this, uh, it is the, the longest chapter uh, by far, I think, uh, in, in the Bible. It's, as I say, it's 176 verses, and, and it's fun to kind of joke about that sometimes. You know, I'm preaching Psalm 119 today. Uh-oh, you know, buckle your seatbelts. Uh, it's kind of fun to, to, to think about that, but even the fact that it's so long tells us something, right? What's, the, what's, what's of high priority? What's the highest priority, you might even argue, to God? Well, the longest chapter in the Bible is all about His Word. All about the scriptures. And so that's what I, we want to focus on. Um, we're not going to do the whole thing, don't worry. I actually just want to pull from those first 16 verses that Sherry read for us a few minutes ago. And I, I just want to talk about three things, kind of an overview of, of this passage. I'm not going to work it verse to verse. That's usually not the best way. Sometimes it is, but not usually the best way to do Psalms. Instead, I just want to pull from these 16 verses, and I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about the basis or really the reason, basically, why we would read the Scripture. So the basis for reading, the benefit of reading, what we get out of it, and then finally, a, a blueprint. I want to give you a little bit of a blueprint for reading the Bible as we start a new year, or maybe you'll listen to this months from now, and it'll, the blueprint will be just as useful then. So, so let's look at this passage together. Let's look at the first 16 verses. And I want to start with the basis, uh, the, the basis for why we should read the Bible. And so what's the reason? Why, why should we do that? Why, why, why do we need to? Well, according to this psalm and lots of other passages too, but I think the reason we see here is that we should read it because God tells us to. We should read the scripture because God tells us to read the scripture. And, and to show you this from this passage, I want to ask the psalm a question. 
All right, so we have Psalm 119 in front of us this morning, and I've just told you it's this lengthy, carefully crafted meditation on the Word of God. Well, let's ask it a question. So, Psalm 119, what should we do with the Word of God? What should we do with it? Right? We, I mean, we've all got one in our homes. Some of us have many of them in our homes. Uh, but, but what should we do with it? What's, it? what's it for? Before I answer that question for you, let me point out something about this psalm, and uh, it's especially true with this one, but you'll find it with a lot of, the, of other psalms too. Uh, but the, the thing you need to know about Psalm 119 is that it uses a whole bunch of different words all talking about the same thing, right? And so uh, it, it'll use different words to describe the scriptures, what we're talking about today. And so verse 1 actually t- says the law. Right? So verse 1 talks about the law. Verse 2 talks about God's testimonies, keeping his testimonies. Verse 4 uses this word precepts. Uh, Verse 5 uses the word statutes. Verse 6, commands. I'm working from the ESV. If you're looking at a different Bible translation, it might have different words, but they're they're analogous. Uh, Verse uh, verse 6, commands. Verse 7, righteous rules. Uh, Three times, verse 10, verse 11, verse 16, uh, uses the word, right? which, Which we often default to, the word, the scriptures. And so you have all these different terms. And the thing to know about these terms is that for, for all intents and purposes, they're, they're the same. I mean, there's little bits of nuances between the different words. I'm not saying they're all exactly the same. But they're all talking about this. They're all talking about the Bible, right? So, so when I tell you, you know, you, you actually, I don't think you find the word Bible in Psalm 119, but you find a whole lot of other words that talk about that, that is what they're talking about. They're talking about the Word of God, or the, the psalmist is talking about God's Word. So with that in mind, now let's ask our psalmist the question, uh, what do we do with God's Word? What, what, do, what do you say? Well, he says a lot. There's a lot we do with God's Word. Uh, verse 1, we walk according to it. Walk according to the Word of the Lord. Make it the, the, the pathway that you're following. It's the footsteps of your life are tread in these words. Uh, verse 2, keep God's Word. Seek Him with all your heart in his word. Uh, verse 4, verse 5, uh, again, tells us to keep his word. And the idea there is to obey it. All right, so we're not talking about just kind of reading the way I might read a novel and forget a week later what the plot was. We're talking about uh, reading it and, and keeping it, keeping uh, what it says. Verse 6, gaze at it, fix your eyes on it. All right, so it's not just a glance, it's a gaze. Fix your eyes on his word. Verse 7, learn his word. All right, so now we're going to engage it intellectually. We're not just going to let it passively wash over us. We're going to engage with it. We're going to learn God's word, study it. Uh, verse 11, uh, hide it in your heart. Hide God's word in your heart. Uh, it's this idea of memorizing, right? Memorize God's word. Commit uh, sections of it and, and even just the concepts of it in, into our hearts and our minds. Uh, verse 13, uh, he tells us to tell others about it, right? So it's not just that we take it in. We then tell others what God's word says. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. And so we teach it and preach it and share it and, and, and so on. Verse 15, meditate on God's words. So that's this idea of, of thinking about it, chewing it over. Uh, verse 16, delight, delight, take pleasure in God's word, take pleasure in it so that we don't neglect it. When we, when we take pleasure in something, we, we don't neglect it. It's important to us. And so we spend time with it. So, so delight in God's word. So that's just, that's just 16 verses, and I moved intentionally quickly, uh, but that's what we're supposed to do with it. So if we ask Psalm 119, what do I do with God's word? Well, delight in it, 
meditate on it, memorize it, learn it, teach it, obey it, walk in it. And here's the thing, we cannot do any of those things unless we read it. Right? We can't do any of those things. We have to know what it says if we're going to do what it, if we're going to obey it. Right? We can't live the way God wants us to live if we're not reading what God wants us to read. And so, it, it's, it, it, again, nowhere in verse 16, for those 16 verses does it say, make sure you read God's word. But everything it says takes it for granted that we're reading God's word because we can't do any of these things without reading it. Um, I was a, a history major in college. Many of you know that. And uh, that meant a lot of reading, right? Lots of reading. Physics majors do lots of math. History, reading, history majors do lots of reading. In fact, it was not unusual for some of the classes I took, you know, kind of upper-level ones when you get on into it a little bit, it would not be at all unusual for a professor to assign an entire book, right? So you're sitting there on Tuesday, and you know, what's due Thursday? This book, you know, read this book by Thursday. And I hate to admit it to you, but, but sometimes I just couldn't get to it all, right? And, and so many of you, stu- former students and maybe present students, know exactly what this is like. You know, you just can't get to it all sometimes. And so you got your little tricks, right? You go to class, and, and, and there's the little tricks. You know, you sit in the back, right? And, uh, and, and you, you learn to nod when, you know, the other people nod. And you can usually clock those two or three guys who, who are women who did all the reading, you know? And, and so you're like, yeah, yeah, what she said. Yeah, that was... Yeah. And, and, you, and, and you can make it look like you know what you're talking about for the most part. But then every once in a while, the savvy professors... They know, to, they, they know what you're up to, right? And so what would they do? Every once in a while, they, they would just call on you, right? That professor would just call on you. And, you know, Mr. McLean, what did you think of, you know, Lenin's whatever? I don't know, whatever we were studying. You know, what did, what did you think? And when you're singled out like that, now you're in trouble, right? Now you're in trouble because, you know, you could try to fake it, you know, but, but usually at that point when you're singled out and the spotlight's on you, the best thing to do is to just kind of hang your head and say, well, I, I didn't finish the reading. Right? And by finish the reading, you mean never did the reading. But <laughs> when we try to follow Jesus, when we try to live for the Lord without the Bible, it really is. It's like going to class without doing the reading. It's like we're going to class without doing the reading. And it's the same thing. You know, maybe we can fake it for a little bit. Right? You can, we can fake it, right? We can nod when everyone else nods and chime in with an, a- an amen at the right time. But sooner or later, it, it catches up to us. Sooner or later, professor life calls on us, and we're not ready because we didn't do the reading. And so God commands us to, do, to, to, to read, to, to take up and read, as, you know, as, as uh, you know, the vision Augustine had, supposedly. You know, take up and read. God tells us to read, not because he needs us to. He knows what's in here. He wrote it. He, he, he tells us this for our own good. It's for our own good. Right? This, is, this is what we need. Uh, it's what we need when we go through the hard times. And it's not if, it's when, right? When those hard times come. Uh, this is what we need, right? We need to have done the reading. When we lose someone, when we're tempted, when our marriage is hitting a tough spot, or when we're struggling with parenting, or we're feeling lonely, uh, we need this. We need God's Word in here. We, we need to do the reading. So that's the basis, right? The Lord tells us to read. The, why should we read it? We should read it because the Lord tells us to for our own good. We need it. Uh, that brings us to the second point. It kind of flows right into the, the benefit now, and that's what I want to talk about now, the benefit of reading. And, and there's lots of benefits we could talk about, but the one I, I see here in these 16 verses is that God's Word actually changes us. 
It changes us for the good. God transforms us by his spirit through the words of scripture. God's word changes us. So we just asked the psalm, what should we do with God's word? Well, let's put another question to these 16 verses. What will happen when we do? So what will happen when we read it? What will be the result? And again, these 16 verses give us the same basic answer, God's word changes us, in multiple ways. So let me show you some of them. Uh, It starts out with blessing, right? So verses 1 and 2, we will be blessed. So what's God going to do when we read his word? He's going to bless us. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. What's a blameless way? It's a way that's walking in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies and who seek him with their whole heart. He'll bless us when we read and and obey and keep his his word. Uh, That's a general blessing, and it's the one at the beginning of the psalm to set it off. Uh, There's more, verses 5 and 6. We'll be able to resist temptation. Do you ever struggle with temptation of any kind? Uh, God's word will help us with that. God's word helps us resist temptation. Uh, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast. This is verses 5 and 6. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Your word will equip me to resist temptation. Verse 9 says the same thing. When we take God's word in, he helps us overcome sin. I love that verse, that verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? Or a young woman applies just as much. How can a young woman keep her way pure? How can a young man? How? By living according to God's word. That, that's how we do it. That's how we resist temptation. It's the same in verse 11. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. There's a, there's a cause and effect there. I put your word in my heart through reading and memorizing and meditating and all the rest of that. So that there's, a, there's an outcome. There's a result. I will be able to not sin against him. He'll, he'll, he'll equip me to, to grow in that way. There's other benefits. Verses 14 and 16 talk about joy. You see this joy bubbling up, and, it, and the joy comes from the Scripture. I rejoice, verse 14, in following your statutes, as one rejoices in great riches. Right, so imagine, you know, I do not recommend playing the lottery, but imagine you won the lottery, right? Somebody maybe gave you a ticket for a gift, and you're like, you didn't want it, but they gave it to you, and you won. And boom, there's 10 million or whatever, you know, dollars. <laughs> you won. You'd probably do a little jig, maybe, right? You'd be, <laughs> wow, that's a lot. You know, even if you're going to give it all away, you'd, 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 you, there's a delight in riches that, that's kind of a common experience for human beings. But the psalmist takes that. He says, I rejoice in your word. I rejoice in following your statutes as somebody would rejoice in great riches. Uh, verse 16, I delight, he says. It echoes that same idea from verse 14. I delight in your statutes. Those are all different ways of saying the same thing. God's word changes us, right? He changes us, he equips us, he empowers us, he strengthens us, starting on the inside, coming outward. It's not an outward in thing, it's an inward outward thing. He changes us on the inside. He changes the way we think, the way we feel, the way we behave. You know, we're in Psalm 119, an Old Testament passage, but the New Testament echoes the same idea. Um, Hebrews, for example, a very famous verse on Scripture. So maybe this one comes to mind, Hebrews 4.12. What does it say? It's the same thing. For For the Word of God is living and active. It's not just words on a page. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. I love that passage. Uh, God's word is like a scalpel, and the Holy Spirit's the surgeon, right? And he, he, he 
cuts us open and he, he reaches into the innermost parts of who we are spiritually and he, he takes out the bad stuff and he, and he puts in the good stuff. That's, that's, that's the picture there. And so, again, it changes us. God's word changes us. Uh, back in 1942, uh, the United States conducted a, a bombing raid on Tokyo. It was called the Doolittle Raid. And it's kind of a famous uh, bit of World War II history. I'm sure some of you have heard uh, I've heard of the Doolittle Raid and maybe even the story I'm about to tell you. Uh, it's a famous raid and it's significant because it was the first counterattack by the United States on Japan. So, of course, Japan, uh, December 1941, bombed Pearl Harbor, pretty devastating attack. Um, the United States wanted to show that we weren't going to be cowed. And so a few months later, in early 1942, uh, they launched this raid of bombers led by, I believe it was Doolittle, uh, led the raid. And it was like 16 planes or so bombers. And they flew over all the way to Japan, to the main island, and they bombed it. And it was, did hardly any damage, but they bombed. They dropped some bombs on Tokyo. It was so far they couldn't get back. So the plan was that they had to land in China, which was still friendly territory at that point. And so the Doolittle Raid was successful in that. They showed Japan that we could do that too, and so some bombs were dropped. But the kind of the landing part didn't go so well, and most of the planes crashed-landed, and a lot of the, the crews were captured. And many of them ended up uh, being uh, pr prisoners of war, uh, being taken captive by the Japanese when they crash-landed on the mainland there of Asia. Uh, including a man named Jacob DeShazer. I want to tell you a little bit about Jacob DeShazer. Uh, he, was, he was captured uh, at the, when, when he crashed, and he spent the next 40 months, three and a half years, as a prisoner of war. He was a, a, POD of the, a POW of the Japanese. 34 of those months, and this wasn't unique to him, it was a lot of them experienced these, this, 34 of them were in solitary confinement, all by himself for 34 months, and it was hard. As you can imagine, it was very, very difficult. And so DeShazer and his fellow prisoners, uh, they begged their captors for, among other things, they begged them for books. They, they just begged for books to read. And finally, in 1944, the Japanese actually relented on this point, and they got some books, some books in English for these, these prisoners, and they, and they passed them around. And the way it would work is each man would get one of the books for three weeks. And then they would take his book away, and they would give it to another guy, and he would get one of the other books that they had. One of the books was a Bible. One of the books and that was being passed around was a Bible. And when Jacob DeShazer got his three weeks with the Bible, he devoured it, as he had done with all the other books too, to be fair. He, he devoured uh, that Bible. Uh, he was not a believer. He wasn't a Christian, but he was so desperate for something to occupy his mind because he was all alone in that cell that he just poured through it. Uh, he read the whole thing three times. <laughs> three times in those weeks. Uh, he actually read the Old Testament prophets six times. And if you, the prophets are hard to read sometimes. He read the prophets six times. He memorized the Sermon on the Mount, memorized 1 Corinthians 13, and several other passages of, as well. And at some point during those three weeks, the Word of God changed that man's heart. At some point, this is all from his testimony. He was um, written up in, other, in different ways over the years. Uh, he gave his life to Christ at some point during those three, three weeks. And he, he, his own testimony was that it changed his life right away. Even while he was still a prisoner, it changed his life. He began to be able, with God's help, to show respect for his captors. He was able to show them kind of a, a, an appropriate respect. Uh, he began to pray. He'd have these amazing times of prayer in his cell. But most amazing of all, and if you've ever heard his story, this is the part you might know. After the war was over, DeShazer became a missionary to Japan. 
He went back in 1948, this time not to drop bombs, but to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And over the next few decades, over the course of basically the rest of his life as a missionary there, he helped more than 20 churches get started. Thousands of Japanese people came to know Jesus through his ministry in those post-war years. And it all started with a Bible in a prison cell. It all started with a Bible in a prison cell. The point is, and there's so many stories like that from from church history, uh, God's Word changes us. God's Word changes us. That's the benefit of reading the Bible. However, it can't change us if we don't read it. It cannot change us if we don't read it, and that's why we need a plan. And so I want to talk now about a blueprint. We need a plan of action for reading the Bible. And uh, I want to keep it simple. Uh, The danger here is that someone like me could make this really complicated. I would like to not. I just have a little three-step blueprint here of, of how to begin to do this, right? How to begin to do it. So step one that I would suggest to you today is, is schedule it. Schedule it. Right? Make, make the Bible a priority by, by adding it to however it is you manage your life. Right? So if you're a to-do list person, add it to the to-do list. If you're a calendar person, put it on the calendar and set a little reminder, whatever it is. Schedule it. Right? And some of you are already in the habit already. You can just kind of nod or not, whatever. But, but if, if you're not, if you're like, yeah, I do need to grow in this area, schedule it. Put it on the calendar. See, one of our big excuses, and I'm a fellow sufferer on all these excuses I'll I'll identify this morning. One of our biggest excuses is we don't have time. I don't have time to read the Bible. Have you ever said that? I mean, boy, that DeShazer guy, he was lucky. He had all the time in the world. I don't have time to read the Bible. We've all said that, maybe at different times, you know, and so if you have said that, you're not alone. But I think if we're a little more honest with ourselves on this point, the problem isn't really time. The problem is priority, because we make time for a lot of other things, right? We, we make time, many of us, for social media. Uh, we make time for entertainment that we value. We make time for, for sports or for, you know, family time or friendships or hobbies or cooking or, you know, the shopping that needs to be done. We, we make time for those things. And, and why? Because they're important, right? We make time for those things because we value them, and we should. Everything I just told you there, maybe, maybe not social media, but, but all the other ones. Right? All the other ones, those are valuable things, and we, and we make time for them because we value them. It's the same principle here. This is why Psalm 119 is focusing so much on the benefits. Right? You have the benefits of God's Word. What is the psalmist trying to do? Right? He's, he's, he doesn't give us a bunch of... That's, this is why he never says, make sure you read the Bible. Instead, he just he, he woos us in. He says, look at all the wonderful things that you'll have access to because you read the Bible. Right? He's, he's helping us value it. We're only looking at 16 verses this morning. Go ahead and read all 176. It just goes on and on like that. So many reasons to value the Scripture. Right? So do we want to be ready for hard times? Do we want to be equipped to, to, to stand against temptation? Do we want to be able to resist sin? Do we want to... All those, all those different things. Well then, let's, let's schedule it. Let's build time into our lives for, for the Scripture. Step two, stick with it. Stick with it. Don't give up. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you start reading the Bible, sooner or later, maybe sooner, it'll get hard. It'll get difficult. When it does, when you hit something that's hard, keep going. Right? Do what your coaches told you back when you were in sports, you know, if you did any kind of sport ever. You don't give up when it starts getting hard. No, you keep going. And it's the same thing here. This addresses another one of our excuses. Um, someone will say, well, I've tried to read the Bible, but, but it's, it's hard. It's, it's, I've tried, I just, I just don't understand it. 
right? I, I opened up, I read Genesis, you know, chapter one, that was cool. Chapter two, mm, chapter three, oh, that explains a lot. Chapter four, that's scary. Chapter five, I can't remember what it is. And then you get chapter six and you're like, that's weird. What? Ain't yeah. And it just, real quick, it gets complicated. It gets hard to understand. And so if you've ever said that, I want to affirm you, you're right. <laughs> it is hard sometimes to understand. Uh, the Bible is a, a brilliant, fascinating, uh, I'll call it a book, but really it's, you, many of you know it's a collection of books. Right? These are 66 different books, and, and there's various kinds of literature in here. There's, there's legal codes, and there's law, you know, different laws, and there's genealogies, which are important in their context, and there's prophecies about the past, and prophecies about the future, and there's a whole bunch of history, and a lot of it's ancient history, and so it's kind of difficult that way. There's big chunks of poetry, and some people are like, ooh, I love the poetry, and other people are like, oh, I can't understand the poetry, and, and there's just all these different things in here. And so, yes, parts are are hard to understand. And so I want to affirm that. I'm not saying this is like reading, you know, some Louis L'Amour novel or something that's just real easy and, and, you know, easy to bump along through. Yes, it's hard. We would be shocked if it wasn't hard, right? I mean, if this is a book that introduces us to the all-powerful creator of the universe, it would be disappointing if we could figure it out in an afternoon, Right? That wouldn't be much of a God if, if we could figure him out in an afternoon. So, so yes, it's complicated. There are some things we can do, though. And this is the stick with it part. There are things we can do to offset the difficulty. Um, for one thing, so here, here's a few ideas, right? So I like to say when it, when it gets hard, get help, right? I think that's a good rule for life. When it gets hard, get help. If you can't figure it out, get somebody. If you can't fix that plumbing that's stuck, get a plumber. He knows what he's doing. Right? If it gets hard, get help. I think that applies to scriptures. Uh, so, so how can we get some help? Well, one thing we can do, here's a, here's a couple, so here's just some suggestions. Um, get a study Bible. Get a study Bible. If you don't have one already, I, I had a seminary professor, so here I am paying, you know, $25,000, $30,000, you know, total for that seminary education, and we had a professor tell us once, you know, your study Bible gets you 80% of the way there. You know? <laughs> All the seminary students are like, what am I paying for then? But, but I, his point was, a lot of times the, the questions we have are, are are, there are answers that are available and accessible. And so there's some really excellent study Bibles. You know, they're a little expensive, $20, $30, $40. If you want leather cover, it can be more. But, but, but a lot of times they'll, they'll give those notes, those outlines, those maps, those even little pictures sometimes to show you, you know, how, how things looked and so on. A, a good study Bible will get us a long way there just to understanding some of those, those hard questions. Um, a Bible dictionary uh, is another good one, uh, and that's kind of like, it's like a study Bible on steroids, right? It's just, it's a dedicated book that's got uh, even more of that kind of stuff. They're not that expensive. Um, I could recommend one, same thing with the study Bible, by the way, if you, there's a lot of them out there, but if you want recommendations, just give me a holler, I'd be happy to suggest certain ones. Um, by, same thing with Bible dictionaries. Uh, so so those, there's those kinds of resources that are available, and you don't need a lot of them. Uh, if you say, well, I don't want to spend money on books, that's fine. Um, there's other things. Uh, you could join a Bible study. Actually, that's why we always try to have several Bible studies going here at our church, because you, you basically can 
can pool people's knowledge, right? You come together, and usually there's a leader who's done at least a little bit of prep, and, and you know, there's strength in numbers. So, so come together and, and study Scripture together. Uh, that's true for our, our youth group, by the way. I wanted, you know, kind of a start of the year uh, shout out to our student ministries. You know, if students, if you're like, I can't understand the Bible. Well, we've, we've got a team, right? We have Pastor Andrew, but then a team of volunteers too, his team that, that would love to help you understand the scriptures more, more deeply. And that's a great place to do it. It doesn't cost you anything except an hour or so on a, on a Wednesday night. So, so join a Bible study, join a group. And then I was going to say, don't forget me. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's why I'm here. <laughs> It's not the only reason I'm here, but it's one of the reasons I'm here. I mean, uh, I, I am. I'm, I'm a resource for folks. And so if you've hit something and you, you know, what in the world does that mean? Or what does our church believe about that versus another? I'm always happy. You know, it might take a little, you know, might, I may not answer it that afternoon, but, you know, give me a call or we can visit or email or whatever. So that's another resource that you have. So those are just a few, but, but stick with it, right? Stick with it. Don't give up, right? Don't give up. Get help when, when, the, scripture gets, uh, when the scripture gets hard. So schedule it, stick with it. And then uh, step three, I would suggest, is, is just start. Just start reading. Just start somewhere, right? Just stop, stop thinking about reading the Bible and, and start, start reading the Bible. Because that, that's another excuse we'll make sometimes, and I'm sympathetic to this one. I remember feeling this way you know, before I had the, the, the privilege of a, a seminary education. But I remember I'd look at this thing and I'd go, what in the world? Where do you start? Where do you start? There's so much, which is why so often we end up starting in Genesis. You know, it's the beginning. That makes sense. Um, and sometimes that's a great idea to start there, but it might not always be the right place to start, right? Sometimes you might want to start somewhere else. Uh, and so, so start. So start. Uh, where should I start? Well, I, I like to recommend you start with something that interests you, right? So, so let's assume you've been a believer for a long time. You kind of know the basic story, but you want to get into regular Bible reading. Where do I start? Well, do you like history? Start with one of the history books, right? A lot of the Old Testament is history. Start with First and Second Samuel, and then read First and Second Kings, and then read First and Second Chronicles. That'll take you months because there's a bunch there, and that's a whole bunch of history if you enjoy history. Uh, start with, you know, you like poetry? You're, you're more, uh, was that right-brained or left-brained, however that works, whichever brain that is, if you're more wired that way, start with the Psalms, right? Psalms are just filled with, with beautiful, beautiful poetry. Uh, if you want to read ahead, maybe you're a little more pragmatic, um, you can read Hebrews, right? That's where we're going. Uh, next week, we have one of our global partners with us, and then the week after that, uh, we're going to start in Hebrews. I've just uh, kind of felt led to, to, to study the book of Hebrews together. I've never been through Hebrews, believe it or not, and so we're going to study Hebrews together. So go ahead and read Hebrews. You can get a head start on me, and we'll uh, study Hebrews together this spring. So you could do that. You could connect with whatever we're studying in church, This is really, I guess, what I'm saying. Um, if you're a little newer to the faith, or you're younger, perhaps, or, or you're just out of practice, start with the Gospels. I, I really, start with the life of Jesus. And so go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, any of the four, uh, and, and read through those and, and remind yourself or learn for the first time what Jesus said and what he did and where he went and those sorts of things. Uh, and read all four of them and pay attention to how, and you, right there, that, that could take you months if you're reading through slowly and carefully. So, so that's another place you could start. Um, so so you'll, you'll pick something. Here's another thing I want to say, another little tip here, is don't feel like you've got to read the whole thing in one fell swoop, all right? So you can start small. There's nothing wrong with starting small, not at all. Um, a good baseline might be to say, I'm going to read a chapter a day. All right, so that might be a good place to start. All right, I'm going to read a chapter a day 
Although I have to say, there's a, there's, sometimes it's very helpful to just read until the Lord pokes you. Right? So you might say, well, I'm going to read Ephesians 3 today, but you get into about verse 3, and you're like, whoa, I really needed that. Don't keep moving. Stop. <laughs> Stop and, and pray about that verse 3. Maybe take a few minutes to memorize that verse 3 or whatever. And then you'll get up after 15 minutes or 10 minutes and all you read was three verses. But boy, was it powerful. Boy, did the Lord do that Hebrews 4.12 thing and, and get inside of you and, and work on you. So I guess what I'm trying to say is don't let your ambition to read the whole thing or to read a certain amount or to, to complete a checklist, don't let that undermine your reading of Scripture. Just, just read, however much it might be when he speaks to you. Um, when, whenever, right? Some of us are morning people. Some of us are night people. Some of us are, I'll read it over my lunch hour because I don't like to talk to my coworkers, people. Uh, so whatever it might be, uh, pick a time that works for you and do it. It goes back to that scheduling thing. Um, I do recommend praying, right? I mean, uh, theologically, uh, we believe, and the scriptures teach, that the Holy Spirit of God lives within us. If we have given our life to Jesus, if we're born again, the Holy Spirit lives within us. So let's, before we try to understand this difficult, sometimes difficult book, let's ask for his help. So ask the Holy Spirit to to help us. And then the other thing is don't rush on from it. I guess I kind of said this a minute ago, but just to reinforce it, um, it again, sometimes we can get in a mentality of, okay, I'm going to check the box on what I said I was going to read today, close the book, and I'll go open up the news app now, or whatever it is. Um, t- give, it a, give it a little bit, right? So read, and, and sit, and pray, and ask the Lord. Even if, you know, it might just be two minutes, maybe you have a schedule that you do a little more, but, but ask the Lord, you know, what, what, what is there in there, what I just read, that, that applies to my life, or to my family, or to our world, or, or my church, or whatever it might be. So there's, there's that kind of approach. I also want to give a shout out to plans. Some people are more into plans. What I've just described, what I've described up to now is almost a more freeform way of reading. But uh, some, some uh, type A types, you know, we like to have a plan uh, to complete. And plans are helpful for sure. And this is certainly the time of year. I've probably got a half a dozen emails in my inbox right now that have a plan. They, have, they love me and they have a plan for my life, specifically a Bible, a Bible reading plan that they want me to do and to, to encourage you to do. Uh, and, and so, yes, this is the time of year for plans. If you're a, um, there's lots of places to find them. Uh, the, our daily bread booklets, it doesn't even just have to be tech. If you like, um, like we have those Our Daily Bread booklets that have been around for decades. Um, we always have 30 or 40 of them available. Um, they have a Bible plan. Every day there's a suggested Bible reading script passage you could do. Uh, if you do have a study Bible, it probably has a plan that you could follow. Those study Bibles almost always have at least one, sometimes more than one, plans in the back that you could use. Um, then there is, of course, tech that hold the Bible app that so many people love to use because it's so well built, uh, has lots of plans. Just click on the plans tab and they'll give you all kinds of plans. Uh, here's one, one tip about plans that I like to give to people is please do not worry about the dates. Because I've seen this, this has actually happened to me and I've seen it happen with other people. We start with a plan and we're on the dates, we're on the schedule, and then something happens, right? So maybe there's a business trip or we get sick or one of the kids gets sick and you're behind, right? You're false, you're, you're 10 days behind on your Bible reading plan. And it's like, oh man, I'm never going to be able to catch up. I just, I quit. Right? So, you know, I just quit. I'm not going to do the plan anymore. anymore. Don't quit. Just cross out the dates, <laughs> That's what I like. That's actually, it's my, it's my favorite function on the Bible app. Those of you who use the Bible app will know what I mean. There's this wonderful little button you can tap called Catch Me Up. 
And if you're 10 days behind and you're looking at that and you've got all those little boxes that you haven't completed, just click catch me up and boom, it's like magic. You're up to date. I, I recommend it. I mean, why not? If it takes two years to read through the Bible in a year, so what? Right? It's, it's not a race, right? The point isn't to check the boxes. The point is to read the Bible. So, so, so don't, let, don't, don't um, let the dates discourage you. Life happens. We fall behind. People get sick. If you fall behind on a schedule thing, don't, don't worry about it. Just keep, keep reading. Keep reading. Finally, one more tip. One more thing I wanted to say, and it's this. Uh, audio counts. I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in that. I believe audio counts. And so if you're like, I, I, no, no, seriously, I don't have time. You know, maybe you're a salesman and you're on the road or you're a parent of young kids. I, you know, there's different things in our life that sometimes the, the time crunch is, is, is really hard. And, and there, there are so many good audio versions now, ways to listen to, listen to the scriptures. The, audio, the, the Bible app actually has that function built in. And again, it's free. Uh, it's all funded by donations, I guess. And um, most of the, the translations that they offer, and they offer dozens, have a function where you can just click a little play button and it'll read that scripture to you as long as you have, a, as long as you have an internet connection of some kind, like it's on a phone or whatever, or it obviously works on a computer. And, and like sometimes we, we act as if that was, is not as good. But the truth is, that's how scripture usually was done historically, right? So Paul writes his letter to the Ephesians. He sends it to the church in Ephesus. They didn't make a photocopy for everybody in the room and pass it around. No, somebody stood up front and read Ephesians and everybody else listened. And then they did that a few times and people would start to write out copies of it. That's how we end up with our copies of Scripture. But Scripture is, I'm not, I don't want to undermine the written word because it's the foundation, but it's also written to be listened to. It's written in an auditory way. So if you're more of an auditory learner or you have a long commute or something like that, that's great. Listen. You can listen. Listening, audio counts. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Audio counts. It's a perfectly legitimate way to let the Lord nourish our souls with his word. Well, we have a treat this morning. Uh, we get to share the Lord's Supper on the first day of the year, and that usually only falls out that way every six or 12 years or however that works. I'm not quite sure, but we get to start the new year by uh, sharing the Lord's Supper together. And the Lord's Supper is a reminder. And I think it's a great reminder to start the year with. Uh, the bread reminds us that Jesus Christ gave his own body. You know, we just celebrated Christmas. We talked about the incarnation, uh, God in the flesh, God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus fully God and also fully human. Uh, the Lord's table fast forwards us to the, the, the other side of that earthly life, the one where Jesus, fully God and fully man, went to the cross for you and me. And he, he died. He died in our place. The cup reminds us of his blood, the, his blood that was shed, his, specifically to pay the price, the penalty. Uh, not for his sin, he had no sin, but to pay the penalty for our sin. And so it reminds us of that. Uh, it also reminds us that we're his family. And I love that image of, of the table. Uh, the Lord invites us to come dine with him. And, and it's a symbolic meal, right? At the end of the age, it'll be the marriage feast of the lamb and it won't be symbolic anymore. But, but he invites us at his table to dine with him. Think about it this way. Uh, sometimes, it's rare, but sometimes we will find ourselves eating with strangers. Right? Maybe you're at a work conference or maybe you're at a really, a really crowded restaurant, you know, and, and they'll seat you with somebody you don't know. More often though, we eat with our 
our family and our friends. We eat with our friends and our family. And so Jesus invites us to his table. He says, I, I no longer call you servants. I call you, I call you my friends. You're my family. You're my sons and my daughters, God says. And so the table reminds us of that too. It reminds us of, of the foundation of our, our salvation, the Lord Jesus who died for us on the cross. And it reminds us of what he's done for us, that he's made us his sons, his daughters, his friends. I'd like to invite the men who are serving with me this morning to, to join me up front uh, as they're coming forward. Um, for those of you at home, we encourage you to participate with us. And so as we're passing these trays in just a moment, you'll have time to grab some, some crackers and some juice or something like that to, uh, to be able to participate at home. And uh, for those of you here in the auditorium, we are going to bring you these trays just a moment after I pray. And um, we have, let's see, who's going to have the gluten-free? I believe Paul is. We have a, a smaller tray that has a gluten-free, gluten and uh, I believe it's soy and dairy-free option. Because believe it or not, those little wafers are not gluten-free. Those tiny little wafers they have. But, but we have one. If, you, if that helps you, uh, or you would prefer that, please make sure Paul catches your eye or you catch Paul's eye and he will bring that to you specifically. You'll still need one of the cups so that you can use the juice part of that. So let me uh, lead us in prayer and then we will serve you all. Father in heaven, thank you so much that we get to do this on the first day of the year. I think it's a wonderful way for us to start 2023 with this reminder of what you did for us, uh, Father, uh, Son, and Holy Spirit. I, I, I've been struck in recent months at how it was a cooperative effort. Yes, Jesus died for our sins, but the Father sent the Son, the Spirit empowered him. Uh, thank you, God, that you love us so much, and that you, Jesus, offered yourself in this way so that our sins might be washed away and forgiven. Uh, we pray, Lord, even as we are, or as these cups are being passed, that if there are any unconfessed sins, that we have harbored in our hearts, that you would convict us of those sins, that we might repent of them and come to your table with a clear conscience. And uh, we just thank you for that, man, uh, as, we, as we come now to your table. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>